morning. Hello, uh, my name is Aura Hernandez. I am from Guatemala City. I want to tell you a little about myself and why I am here. Some of you know me, but some of you do not. I will tell you my story. In 2005, I immigrated here to the United States due to domestic violence. When I entered in that country, an official abused me. I was very afraid. I could not see a police officer near me because I thought the world returned with the same officer who assaulted me. With fear, I had continued because I had to support the two children that I left behind in my country, Fernando and Edgar. In that time, they were five years old and three years old, and also had to protect my nephew who came with me, and it was my responsibility. I arrived here in New York. The next day, I found a job, and I started my life here with dream and a past that torment me each day. One Sunday in 2013, the police stopped me for not having license. And my nightmare began. The police calling immigration and told me that I had a deportation order and that I must voluntarily present myself in the federal plaza. I struggled with lawyers who only wanted money and never give my solution. And as I was told, I went to the Federal Plaza every six months to sign for permission to stay in the country. When, when everything changed, with the change of government and the zero tolerance policies of former President Trump, everything fell apart. And by this time, I had a nine years old boy and 18 months old girl, and my children who had recently arrived and were adapting to this country, were fighting their case for Hune Company children to get juvenile visa. In 2018, I went to the Federal Plaza like I had been all alone. They told me that I had 30 days to leave the United States. It was a very difficult time, as already had a family here and my dreams to forfeit. I found courage and looking for help everywhere. I heard in the churches they call providing shelter and protection sign the law, sign that no, no immigration Officer called entering the church. And that is how I got here to fourth you. Filed with hair and sadness, I left my job. My children were in broken heart. I was struggling with one of my older son who began talking the wrong path. My family was broken up. And in March 2018, I took sanctuary here and forth you. And here, this congregation gave me what I was looking for, 
protection, emotional support, financial support, help me my help with my health and legal assistance. Everyone to help. I am so grateful to everyone. This was the greatest blessing for me. It was a struggle for almost a whole year, but it was worth it. Now I am free. Fourth, you led me to an organization calling Sanctuary for Me for Family, which is dedicated to helping victims of abuse in a special type of visa. They, they not only help me, but they got one for my children and my husband. Now we only wait about three years to solicit our green card. <laughs> and then we can finally travel to co our country after 20 years. <laughs> well, I just want to tell the newcomer all the immigrants are coming. Do not give up. Look for work. Look for help. With and for everything is possible. Thank you so much. Thank you for helping me. Thank you. I love my family. <laughs> I remember when Camila was taking her very first steps as she walked here and would run around here during the service and come up and down and uh, now she is so big. It's quite extraordinary. Thank you, Ara, for your words, for sharing, for being with us. Uh, I'm so thrilled for you that after this long journey that began well before you were here, but we were fortunate to be part of, um, that this is a success story for you, that this is a happy ending. And I can't wait to see where you end up in your life and in all the things that you will do. Um, and uh, thank you so much for being here today, too. Friends, when we first became a sanctuary congregation, it was in response to a very specific threat, that of mass deportations in New York City at the hands of the national government. Despite the defeat of that national government in 2020, the fruits of the anti-immigration policies that came from it are still alive and well. We see them most profoundly in the actions of the southern governors of Texas and Florida, who in order to score cheap political points have been busing and flying migrants north, here and elsewhere, often without their consent. I don't believe New York City has done especially well in our at least official response. We are supposedly a sanctuary city, yet the official response has been a patchwork effort often relying on an overburdened already shelter system and making a series of easily avoidable blunders with things like tent cities and easy flood zones. The migrant crisis has been laid bare. The fragility of our city's safety net 
It has shown just how limited and how dangerous it is to be unhoused in this city, whether you're a migrant or not. As Unitarian Universalists, we are called to care for those who have less, who are suffering, who need support and help. The migrants arriving daily in our buses certainly qualify. We should shelter and care for them, and you will be invited to help with that very shortly. But the larger and more difficult challenge is a spiritual, emotional, and intellectual one. The root problem I believe that we are facing is on a global scale, and it is the problem that the human race is divided by nation states and borders. Now these divisions exist for many reasons, but one of the most powerful yet rarely stated is that they exist to guard the wealth and prosperity of those who make them, who set the borders that the rest of the world exist within. Now this is especially true of the United States and other wealthy nations, which among them shelter only 14% of the world population, but hoard 73% of global wealth. Borders and the folks that enforce them are designed to maintain this inequality and remove it from view. These imbalances and structures that support them are difficult, maybe impossible, to morally and spiritually justify, especially when there is acute suffering, as there is in the home countries of many of the migrants who are arriving in this city each and every day. But these assumptions go unchallenged because the idea of nation states and the idea of borders is so ingrained in our psyche as if there is no other way. We need to start deconstructing our belief that these are benign systems, or they must be the primary way we understand our global ecosystem. For us Americans, of course, these systems may work on our behalf, are designed to protect us and all that we hold, that 73% of wealth that we partake in, but it doesn't mean that we need to accept them and the suffering that they cause without question. Our sixth Unitarian Universalist principle invites us to challenge the categorical thinking that is borders and nationality. It asks us to affirm the work of community, world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. Now importantly, and all our eight Unitarian Universalist principles, that is our sixth one. None suggests that any of those eight should apply more to people within our borders than beyond them. Just imagine what it would be like if that was actually otherwise. Imagine if our first principle was actually, we support the inherent worth and dignity of every person, but Americans especially. Or the second Unitarian Universalist principle. We believe in justice, equity, and compassion in human relations, but mostly for us. It sounds absurd, sacrilegious, that such sacred principles would be 
written in such ways. But the ideas that operate and underlie the infrastructure of borders in nation states are based on those very concepts. We should always take note when our stated principles, which are clearly equal across borders and nation, do not match our actual practices, which are clear that there is a hierarchy of who matters in this world, whose suffering matters, whose happiness matters, who has a right to eat, who has a right to be safe. This equality that we see in our principles that does not add especially for Americans. We see that across world religions. We know that in both Christianity and Islam, Jesus and Muhammad themselves were both refugees who crossed borders. They did not ask permission to do that. They did not go because they felt like taking a trip. They went because they were forced to do so to survive. Both religions historically affirmed the importance of being Christian and being Muslim, of being a good person beyond national identity, secular identity. The Jewish people, by nature of their forced diaspora and millennia of persecution, have been required to move between borders and empires and nation states, sometimes with intentionality, other times just to survive. And of course, the views often grounded in a religious perspective of indigenous Americans, including the Lenape here, held no permanent concept of land ownership. Land was to be shared and negotiated and at times leased, but never permanently controlled by certain people who had power to do so. We rest on strong multi-faith religious foundations when we critique our assumptions about borders and nations as being intrinsic to human global life and as positive. It might seem radical, I know, but it is important to critique this assumption. Most of the immigrants who have come to the United States, when you think about those coming to Ellis Island, there was no ice to sort through them. People just arrived and came in. That was the reality for most of American history. The nation state is a modern invention, as are its operating principles and systems that enforce them. We must not accept them uncritically, nor ignore the suffering and division they cause that we see each and every day here in New York, whether it is with people searching for sanctuary or the migrants coming in buses. Of course, we have to ask what would a world with less borders and a more compassionate global identity look like? It would require that we stop seeing those outside our nation as someone else's problem or de somehow deserving of their suffering or ourselves as deserving our privilege. It would require global efforts to move beyond scarcity and towards abundance to a more equitable distribution of wealth not just globally, but here in the United States and other wealthy countries, where that inequality globally is often reflected very clearly internally as well. 
It would go beyond empty statements of friendship and cross-cultural engagement as the highest good to real embedded willingness to adjust our comfort level at home to ensure others' safety abroad. Now, I'm not naive enough to assume this is easy or will happen just like that if we all decide to make it happen. I know it might be impractical or inconvenient, pie in the sky, or even be perceived as dangerous. But at least pivoting our hearts and minds in that direction, a direction that affirms that everyone on this planet matters, no matter where we're born, is something that we can all do right now with our hearts and our minds and our soul. To break down the barriers and borders of our own selves when we think about what it means to be someone that we care about, who is a stranger and who is a friend, who is a neighbor, and who is someone from elsewhere. We need to believe in a new form of world-making and home-making. We have to believe in the words of Eduardo Galeano, a Uruguayan journalist and writer, that the world was born yearning to be a home for everyone, not just those who had the gift to be born in a place with strong borders. With this new perspective, we too can hear the words from Toni Morrison, who writes, in this new space of world-making, one can imagine safety without walls, can iterate difference that is prized but not privileged, and can conceive of a third world already made for me and us and everyone, both snug and wide open, with a doorway never needing to be closed. Home. Our sanctuary work was and always will be the creation of home. Four years ago, it was making this place a home for a very particular family, for Ara and her children. Today, it is making New York City a home for those migrants being bussed and flown from the South, looking to survive. But the long game, it is so important for us to know, is not to just stop there. The goal is the whole wide world, for the whole wide world to be home, safe, happy, abundant, a sanctuary for us and everyone. May this be our goal, now and always. May it be so. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Melanie Van Orden. I'm the Director of Administration here at Fourth Universalist, and I use she and her pronouns. We are so glad to be celebrating Auda's journey here with us today, and Fourth Universalist continues its immigration justice work by supporting the refugees, migrants, and asylum seekers that are being bused to New York City from Texas and Florida. Most of them arrive here with nothing but the clothes on their backs, and on the way here, many of them have faced horrific circumstances where some of their traveling companions have died along the way. They are fleeing so much instability, violence, and extreme poverty in their home countries that such a harrowing journey is often worth the risk. Often their desired destination is not New York City, but they were coerced or tricked into coming here when they crossed the border. 
Once they arrive in New York City, some of them fall through the cracks in our shelter system or face acts of violence and discrimination in the shelters that force them back onto the streets. Fourth Universalist is connected to a network of volunteers, mutual aid organizations, and houses of worship that are responding to this crisis by providing food, clothes, personal hygiene products, metro cards, and temporary shelter to refugees until they can establish themselves in this community or move on to other cities where they have relatives and friends. In your order of service, or in the link placed in the chat, you will find a sign-up form to volunteer to offer aid to these new friends and neighbors. One of our neighboring houses of worship, St. Paul and St. Andrew United Methodist Church at 86th Street and West End Avenue, is operating a shelter for refugees in their building. They are in need of assistance in providing meals for asylum seekers that are taking up temporary residence in their walls, as well as providing backpacks and hygiene supplies to new arrivals at the Port Authority bus stop. There's also a great need to provide temporary shelter in addition to what the churches are able to offer. Um, as you can see, our building is under construction, which precludes us from offering shelter here in the sanctuary at this time. But some members and friends of Fourth Universalist are stepping up to offer temporary shelter in their homes when they're able to. I would like to share my experience of offering temporary shelter recently to a group of young men from Venezuela. I received a message from a mutual aid group where, six, that where there were six men hungry, cold, and stranded outside of a men's shelter on Randall's Island one night. They had slept one night in the hallway on the shelter in 30, 30th Street in Manhattan, and then were turned away from two shelters the following nights due to them being full. They had gained the phone number of the mutual aid group from other refugees late on the third night and had called asking for aid. I was house-sitting and cat-sitting in Manhattan, and my daughter was with her dad for the next five days, and no one was using my apartment. I offered my home and drove to Randall's Island, where I met with another volunteer to pick them up. What transpired over the next few days can only be described as one of the most meaningful experiences of my life. Although I don't speak Spanish, and the young men that stayed in my home don't speak English, we were able to form a friendship through Google Translate and through the help of another volunteer that served as an interpreter. These young men showed me videos of their journey through the jungle, spoke of the violence and instability they were fleeing in Venezuela, and spoke of the family members they hoped to reunite with in Chicago. They asked me what they could do to repay me for allowing them to stay in my home, and I only could think to ask them to clean up after themselves and keep the apartment as clean as possible. When they left for Chicago a few days later, I have never seen my apartment so immaculately clean. They asked if there were any jobs or any means of making money that they could engage in so that they could pay for food for themselves or save up for bus tickets to Chicago. There, this was their number one concern and desire. I didn't know of any jobs, but thankfully, Fourth Universalist was able to sponsor these young men in buying them food, medicine, hygiene products, shoes, and bus tickets to their final destination of Chicago. Although these young men were only in my life for a short while, I was forever changed by my encounter with them, especially when they showed me what to, true generosity and compassion is. One night, we were at a pharmacy buying medicine for their colds that they had picked up traveling through the jungle. Thankfully, it wasn't COVID, they'd been tested. And the interpreter that was with me received a call from the mutual aid hotline that there was a young man stranded outside of a men's shelter after having been turned away for the night. 
they asked if there was anything we could do to help this young man. All of the beds in my apartment were full, and the young men that were with me had heard me telling this to the interpreter. And they said, no, we have to go pick him up. I said, are you sure? All of the beds are full in my apartment. They said, we'll make it work. When we picked him up, I asked if we should go get some food for him. And the men said, no, we will cook for him with the food that your church bought for us. They knew what it was like to sleep on the street, hungry, cold, and scared. And it would have been even worse if they had been all alone without any friends. They were so close that they had, they had traveled from Venezuela together, and their trip had bonded them even stronger together through very many terrible situations. And the fact that they would take a complete stranger under their wings, squish more tightly into the very narrow sleeping arrangement they already had in my apartment, and share whatever food they had, not knowing exactly what the next day held for them or how they were going to sustainably provide for themselves, taught me what true open-heartedness and generosity look like. I urge you to search within your hearts and ask what sacrifices you can make to help the refugees arriving in our city. Fill out the slip in your order of service and leave it in the basket at the back, or click on the link in the chat and fill out the form there. And if you have any questions about offering temporary sanctuary in your home, please come and speak with me. When the young men from Venezuela left for Chicago, they asked me one more time if there was anything they could do to repay me for the help I had offered. I asked them to help the others that are still coming and would be bused to Chicago. I knew that they would. They said they were already planning on that and they had already proven that they would do it. I ask each of you to join them in helping those that are in very precarious situations on our outer's journey and help support others to have a happy ending to their journey as well. The help that Fourth Universalist offered the young men that stayed in my apartment drained our immigration ministry fund, so we need much more financial support to continue to help. Look at what you can do on the sign-up form and in the link and join us. Thank you. Mm -hmm.